0: Hello and welcome everyone to VoIP for Independent Telecoms, the podcast for local service providers who want to offer great services on a resilient network. I'm your host, Andrew Ward from Award Consulting, and I'm joined today by Tara Kelly from Kusa Business Solutions. Welcome, Tara.
1: Hey, great to be here.
0: I guess I should check if I said that right. Is it Kusa or Kusa? How, how does that... It's KUSA. Okay, I got it right first time. Hooray. Well, thank you for joining me today. My teammate, Nathan Littlepage, recommended I connect with you because you've recently launched a new business at KUSA Business Solutions, focused on rural service providers who are, yeah, you know, who are kind of looking to... Build, build their networks, build their services, and you have a, a long history in the industry. So I was excited to talk to you. And if it's okay, I'd actually like to start um, with the, the history part and hear a little bit about your story. So what what got you into telecoms uh, in the first place?
1: Sure, yeah. It's a, kind of a funny story, but to keep it quick, my dad actually worked for Prestige Cable. So I grew up playing on cable rails as a child. So I always say that I was cable from the beginning slash telecom because I I grew up in that space. I went off and worked for HP for a few years and um, then decided that I wanted to uh, do something a little bit different. And I got started working with IBBS, which at the time was a software as a solution provider for cable diagnostics and provisioning. And that process then as cable really changed, began to grow into more of a voice over IP provider and through acquisitions and things like that, I ended up at Momentum Telecom. And I spent really the last five to six years um, leading their wholesale organization, managing that piece of business for them and watching that business really grow. So helping service providers, you know, build out and grow their businesses has been a, a lot of fun and enjoying enjoyable i guess i should say to watch
0: absolutely yeah that's that's a cool path to have taken and yeah i imagine you you know got a lot of good experience at momentum you know they've obviously you know grown a lot over the time that you were there and uh, are doing um, good things so what prompted you to um start your own business and and also as part of that can you tell me a little bit about what your vision is what you're what you're trying to do
1: sure yeah so really the business has been changing a lot right as voice and UCAS really picks up and it was time, this was always kind of my long-term goal was to open up my own business. And so really what Kusa Business Solutions is about is enabling service providers to easily go through some hard operational projects. So whether it's a case where they are upgrading from maybe a legacy switch to a new switch, or maybe they're deploying broadband or, and or voice for the first time and they're not aware how to do it. You know, I was able to see a lot over the years of how operators did things well or didn't do things well in certain cases, and so the ability to bring my experience of you know really being involved in over three hundred different operators over the years and being able to bring that to to operators and help them prevent some of those mistakes is really what Business Solutions is about.
0: Excellent, and I think from what we talked about offline, I think it's fair to say that yeah, this this focus on successful project execution and project management is you know really you know where your particular expertise lies and what i wanted to spend our time talking about today is this kind of idea of project management and hopefully our listeners can can learn something about you know what good project management looks like in the course of our conversation and so that they can improve their own execution of course as well as also understanding you know the benefits of having an external project manager on a project maybe let's start with a, a definition how do you define a project manager what is the role of a project manager
1: So I probably look at project management a little bit differently than other people. And the reason why I say that is, you know, some people, they think of a project manager and they're like, oh, they are just someone who's going to go down a list and they're going to check off tasks and they're going to take those tasks from someone and, and document it. I really prefer project management to be an expert in the field that they're managing. You may not know all the details, but I've found over the years that when you really understand the projects that you're managing, you're able to be more successful. So a project has a definite beginning and a definite end, really, really into scope and making sure that you clearly define what your project is, but really having an expert whose job is to deliver a successful product at the end, not just to do a checklist.
0: I really resonate with that because, yeah, when I worked at Metaswitch, certainly our model was that the project managers were executing very similar projects over and over again, and they understood You know the technology behind it and they were they were as you said both the project manager the organized person but also the expert but i've certainly been involved in in projects where there is a project manager you know from a a third party and it the role seems to be just i've got a list of tasks and i'm going to keep a list of the dates and i'm going to write the meeting minutes but it's it's more of an administrative function often rather than actually having ownership and responsibility and it sounds like you're reacting against that you you don't like that model
1: that's correct. Yeah, I really feel like that in order to be success, successful, particularly in the industries that I've worked in, in order to really be successful and deliver the product and or project at the end of the day, you have to understand those pieces that are involved. Or you just end up in a situation where your projects fail because you, you didn't know the right questions to ask
0: okay so based on you know your many years of experience doing this thing beyond the having the technical expertise that you've mentioned what factors are there that help make projects successful or maybe to look at this another way you know what are the key reasons that you see projects fail
1: I think it's probably twofold number one I would say a lack of executive buy-in I think it's really important that when you agree that as a company you're going to do a project that everyone agrees that that project is important and that they're going to provide the resources to do it I think a lot of times what happens is someone says, oh, we're starting a new project. The PM gets knee deep in the the planning and then you're struggling to get resources. And then at the end of the day, someone's like, why did it take so long to do this? And you're like, well, you didn't give me the dedicated resources that we needed to be successful. So I would say, you know, I think that's really important. And then the other thing is risk mitigation. Really making sure that you spend the time up front understanding what could go wrong. And making a plan for
0: those things. Yeah. How do you solve the executive buy in problem? Because, yeah, I think in an ideal world, you know, again, from my experience, you want a project manager to be organized, you know, have the project management skills, to have some domain expertise so they can see the things that might go wrong, right, and and mitigate against them. But but in an ideal world, you might almost want them to have that executive authority themselves so that they can force the thing forward, which usually is is not the case because the executives are busy doing other things. If you, you know if you start a project and initially it seems like you know there's management focus behind it but then it kind of drifts away which i imagine happens often how how can you correct for that what can how would you respond to a situation where it feels like that buy-in's kind of dissipating
1: yeah so i think a, a couple of ways right so number one ideally depending on the size of the company you would actually have a PMO And whoever's managing your PMO should report, in my opinion, directly to the CEO so that there's no outside, you know, struggles for things. But by PMO, Um, you
0: mean project management organization, like a separate team of project managers? That's
1: correct. A separate team that is looking at all of the projects across the organization, planning, prioritizing, and looking at resources accordingly across everything so that you know kind of how all that is adding up. In some cases, that's not necessary in smaller businesses. So therefore, that's how you kind of end up in this other scenario. So let's say there's not a PMO in place and you're really struggling and you're trying to figure out next steps. My opinion is that there should be probably every other week, maybe once a month, depending on the size of the project, in the length of the project, there should be an executive meeting where you are giving updates on what's going on. And all of your key executive um, stakeholders need to be in that meeting and understanding what's happening on those projects. And if you have issues with resources or if you have complications, that's the perfect time for you to share those details and ask what the plan is to move forward and then adjust your plan accordingly from that standpoint.
0: It sounds like I... Yeah, your approach there, rather than kind of waiting till things go wrong and then saying, where's my relationship with the executive? Can I reach out to them? You're making a plan in advance to say, we should have regular executive check-ins. So that's on the schedule so that you have a face-to-face or Zoom-to-Zoom opportunity to highlight issues.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I just think that's key from the get-go. If the project is important enough that it's been slated as a project that they're going to invest resources in, then the stakeholders should care about that from the get-go. It may not always be the CEO, right? Maybe this is only a technical project and you only need to talk to the CTO, or maybe you're in a situation where it's all operations, right? Depending on those pieces, that particular stakeholder that's on the executive team may be the different person, but having your stakeholder who's responsible for those resources actively involved and aware of what's going on is key to being successful.
0: Excellent. What are some other factors that a project manager needs to keep in mind when running a project, you know, so maybe a, a slightly lower level kind of on the day-to-day execution thing. What what are you what are you thinking about as you're, you know, preparing for your weekly meeting or reviewing a project at a slightly lower level?
1: So, I've always been early in my career, I had someone share the tip with me that there's three things that are going to go wrong on every project that you will be a surprise. And that actually has stayed with me my entire career. Because in reality, there is, you're going to miss something. Every project manager is going to miss something along the way. And making sure that you are planning for that and building time into your, your project to account for that is important. So as you're going through, you're doing your meeting notes, you're checking on things, all of that is super important. At the same time, building a relationship with every single person that's a part of your project team is huge. Um, because you're going to need them at some point, right? And I think that the team together being bought into what's going on is important. Making sure that they aren't scared of you. They're not scared to communicate bad news because as we all know, bad news does not get better. But making sure they're willing to communicate with you and share details with you from the get-go so that then you can plan for things and you can adjust accordingly and possibly not have You know, such an impact to your project because they or they communicated in the get-go. So for me, it's really relationships, making sure your teams you know engaged and they want to work with you, and that everyone's bought into what you're doing. But then communicating and planning accordingly to give yourself some some buffer time.
0: It's interesting, you know, as I hear you talking about that. I think one of the hardest forms of leadership is kind of leading through relationship rather than authority. In a sense, I mean, I've heard people in a different type of PM in product management talk about how as a product manager, you're not directly responsible for all the different pieces of a puzzle, but you're trying to pull them all together. And so the relationships are really important. And I think you know what you're describing is the same thing. You Through the relationships, through people caring about whether you're annoyed with them, <laughs> through people wanting the product to be successful and you reminding them of the motivation, you have a role of leadership, which is not kind of an authoritarian thing where you're like, you must do this because otherwise I will fire you. It's You know, we together have the same vision of this project, completing successfully, and let me build those relationships so that we can help work together to do it. It's a challenging but powerful form of leadership if you can do it well.
1: Yeah, agreed, 100%. And I think that it's a unique skill set too, right? Because when you look at a lot of project managers, they come in with that authoritative, hey, you have to get this done, I need it by this date. And what I found historically, particularly in the telecom space and engineers, no, no offense to the engineers out there, they don't like authoritative personalities um, at all. And I think trying to come from a place and talking to them and understanding where they're coming from, why they're struggling, why they're not able to get something done, helps you then help them understand why we need to get things done in a different time frame.
0: Yep, Absolutely. So we've been talking fairly generally, but you, know, you have the domain expertise, the particular experience in broadband and voice deployments, you know, conversions, that kind of thing, which is particularly relevant you know, for our audience listening today. What are some factors that are special about you know, these kind of projects in the telecoms industry that people should consider?
1: Oh, good question. I would say that there's a lot of moving parts and every single project is different. So over the years, you know, I've done a ton of conversions from different, you know, not only broadband, but cable modems and CMTSs and all those things, but voice deployments are even more complicated because you end up in a situation, you may be moving to the same type of switch, but you might be moving from different switches, which therefore affect your data and the way that that data gets parsed. But then secondarily, all the different devices, right? So everything is always different. And there's different firmwares and there's different packages and there's different features and, you know, different star codes and all those things have to come into play. And then you have to make sure that all of those things are mapped out, accounted for, planned for. And as you go through those things and those conversions, you really have to understand that impact because then you've got to think about the other people that that impacts as well, right? But in in my experience, it's really been about just all the moving parts. And how they're all so different that there is no cookie cutter game plan that you can come in and go, oh, this is how we're going to do things. You may have a high level sketch that you can utilize on how that conversion is going to go. But really, each one has to be analyzed on its own merits to ensure success.
0: Absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah, I've uh, been scarred by many by many voice conversions and yeah, all the things you're listing out there are things we've gone through and it's painful every time. I think you often see a kind of long tail effect where, you know, the, or the Pareto principle, I guess, where 80% of the project gets done pretty quickly, but then that last 20%, there'll be some handful of subscribers that have some weird combination of features that just aren't really supported in exactly the same way and you end up leaving... In this case, maybe, you know, the old switch around for years, potentially, because you've got these three subscribers that you can't support the way you want. It's easy for the projects to drag on even when you think they're almost finished.
1: Oh, yeah, no doubt. And I think, too, one of the things that we always did, and I'm, I'm a big proponent of, is a SWAT team post-conversion, right? So someone who's there ready to solve problems and help customers solve things for those oops that you missed. It may just be one customer that has a special one-off that's not documented anywhere, but you've got to be able to have teams in place and ready to address that post-conversion. Everyone can't be asleep because they were up all night and you're not able to solve customer problems.
0: Yep. Yeah, that's that's smart. Making sure you've got people who are awake (laughs) on the day after, not just relying on the people who already pulled an all-nighter. So that makes a lot of sense. A lot of people in the industry right now are doing a lot of, you know, fiber rollout and kind of construction projects, um, which introduce, you know, factors outside the central office. They introduce supply chain issues, like, you know, weather issues, I guess. Is there any particular advice you'd give to people who are, you know, embarking on multi-million dollar, you know, fiber rollouts and how they should approach those kind of projects.
1: Yeah, you know, definitely the rural broadband and digital divide is is huge out there and there's a lot of government funding. I think one of the key things kind of goes back to where we started this conversation, which is around expertise. A lot of people see all of the funding that's coming in and there's a lot of new people getting into the industry and wanting to come in and take advantage of that which is super exciting, and we all are happy for that. I would just say if someone hasn't managed a project of that size, you want to make sure that you're doing your due diligence and that you have qualified expertise there to, to go through this process. I guess secondarily, I would say kind of going back to my you know, three surprises, weather is a perfect example. As I've seen some of these customers building out, They may be, you know, in the north, there's snow and the ground is so hard, they literally cannot dig. So you're losing two or three months out of your project because you just can't dig and and bury fiber. So making sure that you're planning for that and that you're looking for those sorts of things from the get-go. And some things in, in a project, you are just beyond your control. You're going to have to adjust your schedule. And I think just knowing that and being upfront and as soon as you see an issue coming, Adjusting accordingly and giving yourself that additional buffer time is important.
0: I remember hearing stories of people working with, you know, telecoms in Alaska and that kind of thing. And there's kind of almost a, there are second level consequences of, of the weather related stuff. So I remember, you know, we might be doing an, an indoor project. But the indoor project also has a very weather-related timeline because when the weather's good outside, that's when the outdoor have projects have to happen. So if you've got an indoor project, you've got to get it finished by March or whenever because we're not going to spend time inside once the sun is shining. Um, yeah. so it's it kind of it goes both ways. Even if you think the weather doesn't affect you, the weather's affecting other things. And so it is eventually going to affect you too. We've covered you know probably most of the big things. Is there, Anything about project management that people don't think about that you're constantly surprised that you know hasn't occurred to you know to other people when they when they should be uh, considering a uh, pm?
1: I would say the it's really just about personality with a pm, right? So when I think about a pm and and hiring and or you know thinking about working with someone that is a pm, for me, it's really about personality because you want a strong personality. You want someone who can push and get things done when they need to. At the same time, you also want someone who is likable and who the team wants to work with. And sometimes that's a, a fine balance. And so when you're looking and you're interviewing and you're trying to find the right person, obviously knowledge of the technology and understanding what they're doing is important. You want that strong personality because if they're too making and too mild, you're not going to be able to get the job done because they're too scared to have a, a confrontational type of call. As I've always said, I... Have never shied away from confrontation in my life. I'm like, let's go. Like, it's just naturally you have to have confrontation. But at the same time, there's ways to do that to where it's productive and everyone walks away feeling like there's a win in there and that you did something to be successful. So, you know, just the right personality with the right technology fit and someone who's super detail oriented is key. Um, And they're hard to find. Really good project managers are hard to find. And, you know, I think sometimes, it's easy for people from a project management standpoint to say, oh, I can just hire kind of like we talked about at the beginning. Someone simple as an administrative PM, I'm going to be fine. You can do that if you have the technology resources around them to give them all of the details they need. Otherwise, it's really going to be a struggle to be successful.
0: So, yeah, as, we, as we're beginning to wrap up, I just want to make sure that we've got that kind of checklist for somebody who's you know looking um, for a PM, I got that really clear. So from what you've just said, you want the right kind of personality, which can be assertive, is not scared of confrontation, but has also got the emotional intelligence to you know communicate well and not do that in an abrasive way. You want somebody who's got the domain expertise, the technical skills to know what could go wrong and to you know, to help, you know, see those problems and navigate through them. And then somebody who's, you know, super detail oriented. So they're going to keep track of the action items and, you know, the the dates and everything. Did I miss anything or is that, are those the key things?
1: To me, I think that's key. Obviously you want someone who has the capability to actually go in and track tasks and do the, the diligence piece of it. Right. So there is some level of knowledge that you need with whether it's, actual Microsoft project tools that they're using or a Monday or Adaptive or any of those. But y- you need that. Don't get me wrong. But I think the other is more important, in my opinion, than you know someone who can go through and, and actually fill out the spreadsheet.
0: I don't want to spend a long time on this because it's probably not interesting to some people. But I'm curious, there are all these cool new tools like you mentioned Monday. I'm sure you know people probably use Airtable for project management. Of the Microsoft Project's obviously been around a long time. Of the new cool things, is there a particular favorite you have? And and what do you like about the newer tools compared to Microsoft Project? Or or don't you?
1: I am probably, I'm going to show my age, I guess. I'm a bit of a purist. I prefer Project. I've used several of the other tools. I think Monday has some cool features. There's a lot of talk now around agile project management and the way that that flows. Trello, for example, is a great Tool I've used before for some simple stuff. I personally believe there's so many dependencies on a lot of these telecom projects that you really need a Microsoft project so that you can track your dependencies and those sorts of things. But I think for some simple project management, you know, the free tool, tools like Trello or Buying a Monday or something along those lines will work. I know a lot of people that use Smart Sheets. I personally can't stand Smart Sheets. <laughs> I don't know why. I just don't like it. But I just, I'm a purist in, in this particular industry that I want Microsoft Project because I want to be able to see all of those dependencies and track that and make sure that all of those are accounted in the scheduling.
0: Perfect. If there's a tool that works, there's no point wasting time um, playing around with new stuff. That makes sense. Well, cool. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today, uh, Tara. I guess before we wrap, is there anything else you'd like to share that we haven't covered and that I should have asked you about?
1: I don't think so. I appreciate the time and you having me on. It's been a lot of fun. You know, for me, I, I consider myself like an ultimate problem solver. I love to solve problems. I love to go in and figure stuff out. And projects for me are that. It's a problem that you've got to solve. And at the beginning, you don't know what that's going to look like or what that path is to get there. But following that path is just really fun and exciting. And at the end of the day, being able to celebrate project completion, there's nothing like that feeling which you can mark that project off and celebrate your success.
0: And I think there's a lot of uh, similarity there with engineers who are also, I mean, fundamentally, we're about solving problems. There may be different types of problems so the project management problems, but it's the same. It's the same feeling we get of here's a problem to untangle. Let's solve it. And now we feel good about ourselves. So I, I definitely recognize that. If somebody wants to learn more about um, the work that you're doing and um, what's the best way for people to uh, either get in touch or is there a website they should go to? How should they reach out to you?
1: Sure. Yeah, we have a website. It's at cbsrome.com. So CBS stands for Cusa Business Solutions and Rome is actually where we're based out of Rome, Georgia. I wish it was Rome, Italy, but it's not. <laughs> so, you know, cbsrome.com has the website with all of the details about it or feel free to reach out to me as well. My contact information's there and I'm on LinkedIn. So I'd love to connect with you guys and learn more about what people are doing.
0: Perfect. I will put a link to the website in the show notes. And if you're looking at this on the website and yeah, if anyone wants to reach out, I'd encourage them to do so. Well, thank you, Tara, for taking the time to talk with me. We've certainly learned some good stuff about project management. And yeah, hopefully, yeah, there are people listening who are thinking, yes, I need that. I could do with some help because my project's been running long and long and long, and I need to fix that. If you're listening, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or whatever you're using. And you could even leave a review if you want. And be sure to join us again for the next episode of VoIP for Independent Telecoms. Thanks for listening.